Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. We are in the midst of our AI Founders series and diving deep on all things AI today with Ryan Wallace. Welcome to the show. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to just tap into your wisdom and your insight and all the things that you've learned about AI and what you are seeing coming around the corner. It'll be a fun conversation today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Beautiful. Before we get into a little bit more about what you're up to as founder of Snowshoe AI, let's do a little bit of a rapid fire. It just gets our listeners to get to know you a little bit better and lets us settle in. Sounds good. Beautiful. All right. Where are you from? Where's home? I'm from Ottawa, uh, originally from Armpire, which is just uh, west of here. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm an Ottawa guy, so that's where. And been there a while. Yeah, been here most of my life. I did. Uh, I was in California for a little while. Um, went through Y Combinator, so I was uh, down there in the valley for a bit. But yeah, Ottawa is home. Amazing. I have so many friends that have gone through the Y Combinator uh, program, and yeah, just incredible experiences that I've heard from there. Yeah, it's a different way of thinking for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. A book that you recommend to everyone, something that you love to get in the hands of of other entrepreneurs or leaders. Uh, yeah, for entrepreneurs, I'd probably say Lean Startup by Eric Ries. And then, uh, of course, there's Four Hour Work Week, which everyone's read. So that was kind of a classic. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Tim Ferriss works 100 hours a week, but uh, I, I did enjoy that, that book. That was a great premise. Yeah, the philosophy of you know, what if we looked through the lens of how we could work differently was I remember reading it, I don't know, it feels like 15 years ago now. And that whole principle at the time I was working corporate America, I worked for PepsiCo for about 10 years, 10 plus years and in kind of internal corporate world before I became an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, the philosophy of like, how do you do that in an environment like this just felt so far-fetched. 
And then this thing called COVID happened and people are really reinventing the way we work now. And it's really kind of fast-tracked a lot of that thinking. We're looking at a lot of the things we did before and was like, well, why do we actually do that? We don't have to do it that way. And now we can sort of think outside the box. So yeah, COVID, I guess, helped in, in that way. And then, um, yeah, four-hour work week was sort of all about thinking outside the box as well and not just assuming you have to do something a certain way. That's right. Yeah, I love that book. It's it's one of my favorites as well. Um, a mentor that really helped you get to where you are today. Um. I don't know if I have a specific mentor, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to call YC a mentor just because, um, well, that's what they do. They, they kind of guide you through the, the entrepreneurship process. So um, Sam Altman was actually one of our, um, I wouldn't call him a mentor, but he was someone we had a lot of meetings with when we were at uh, YC. So we he was the CEO of YC at, at the time. And uh, we'd have meetings with him and he'd just help us sort of think a little bit bigger and sort of um, zoom out on the problem and and look at it from a different way so uh, he, he's one person but yeah just the whole yc community just being able to talk to the founders and understand their perspectives um there's not one specific person that i would, I would single out but just the entire community um being able to share experiences and look at things from different angles it's amazing yeah what was i'm curious for those that don't know what yc is can you tell them a little bit like high level what it is and then why did you become a part of it? Why did you move to California and dive in there? Yeah. So YC is, um, it's an incubator. It's, um, they, they invest in startups and they, um, do early stage, um, VC rounds into startups. Um, so investing, and then they have a, a support community of other, other startups and other, um, companies that have gone through YC. So I, I forget what the number is of what the, the investment value of all the companies that have gone through YC is, but it's in the hundreds of billions. It's, it's a, it's wow. a pretty huge number. So you have that entire community to, to draw on. So yeah, the, the big advantage I would say of, of YC is just the, um, the exposure to other, other founders, other ideas. And then obviously when you're raising uh, your round, it's, it's a much easier proposition than if you had to go and um, do that on your own. So when you're, when you're pitching, you're pitching to a room full of the top VCs in the in the in the room. So after a demo day, they call it. Um, we closed around within about a day or two, I think it was. So that's wow. another big advantage of YC. Yeah, yeah, I love that and just access, right? Access to knowledge yeah. and people who have been there, done that before, and it's a big part of why I invest in myself and get involved in different rooms and choose to use coaches still to this day. It's just the access and the thinking can be such a shift in perspective. Like it can really open up your thinking as a leader and, and as a founder. Um, so I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Let's talk a little bit about your background. I'd love to get to know what brought you to what you're doing today before we dive into some more conversations holistically around AI. Yeah, so my background's pretty eclectic. Um, took electronic engineering, worked in that field for for quite a while. Then I started another company, which uh, so that company was doing self service kiosks, so sort of like little mini convenience stores inside company break rooms. So I was doing that, and then through that, I met the other founders of my previous company, the one that went through Y Combinator. It was called Bit Access, and so we had all of us are running sort of individual companies, and we came together, and we said. Yeah, let's uh, let's start this company called Bit Access, and so that one was focusing on building cryptocurrency ATMs. So we had them deployed all around the world. 
Um, a lot of people buy and sell cryptocurrencies. And so that company had an exit uh, a couple of years ago. And so that's um, a little bit about what I've done so far and the entrepreneurship journey. And then after that, I, I decided, hey, AI is a pretty interesting thing. I should probably learn about AI. So I decided to jump into AI. So I've been doing AI consulting since 2017. And then, um, yeah, just uh, recently started uh, Snowshoe. So it's Amazing. kind of been all over the map, but that's a, that's a little bit of my journey. Yeah, I love it. Talk a little bit more around what Snowshoe AI is, and then we'll talk about just some of the, you know, having been consulting since 2017 in the field, I'm so curious to hear about how things have evolved and what you're seeing in that kind of evolution journey as well. Yeah, sure. So um, Snowshoe is it's a cognitive search tool. So think of it sort of like ChatGTP, but it's for your own uh, private documents. So you can ask questions and then it'll find the answers to those questions within your own uh, documentation. So if you're an organization, you have a lot of knowledge stored in that documentation and it's not necessarily easy to access that knowledge. And so other employees, other people inside the organization, um, they can now ask those types of any kind of question and the difference between um, like, a, like a keyword search where you're searching for a keyword and a conceptual search where you're searching for a concept or an idea is that it understands the concept. So you can go in through and you can find those concepts inside document documents and then uh, find the answers to the questions you might have. And so the the original idea for Snowshoe, well, it wasn't Snowshoe at that time, is one of our clients approached us. So I was working with another consulting company, uh, LeMay AI, which we have spun out um, from. So Snowshoe is a spin out from LeMay AI. And we were approached by one of our uh, large aerospace clients. And what they wanted to do is allow their, their maintenance technicians and engineers to ask very specific technical questions about, let's say I'm you know, doing maintenance on an aircraft or some very complex system and, and uh, find the answers to those types of questions. And, and they had been working on this for about three years themselves and not getting the results that they were looking for. And so that's when they brought us in and, um, the, the result of what we did there actually turned into to snowshoe. So that's the origin Amazing. story for snowshoe. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I can imagine, you know, I can, I come from a background, I worked for PepsiCo for years. And, um, you know, I think about like manufacturing environments and engineers and just being able to access that knowledge faster. Right. I saw, I saw one of the, the stats just on your website around downtime in particular and how that's such a, conversation at the table at the forefront of so many large organizations, all organizations really, but just getting people access to information faster and creating knowledge bases of, hey, I've done this before. There's an SOP. You just need to access that SOP, follow the steps, and you can solve this problem and get us back up and running faster. I can imagine that that is such a value add to so many organizations in so many different capacities. Yeah, the, the the problem that a lot of organizations are, are suffering right now is that there's there's a a lot of the subject matter experts or the people that have been there for a long time and they have this experience, they're retiring or leaving the organization, and then you're bringing in new people, and you can't just on day one click a magic button and have all that knowledge that was in the previous person's head and this new person's head. So there's there's a lot of um, learning and onboarding and, and and understanding those processes, especially in a very complex technical field like you know, for example, aircraft maintenance, that takes years and years to understand that. 
And so we're not saying that AI is going to be able to make everyone into, you know, an expert, but what it can do is help people um, just in a natural way, just ask questions and then find the, the information that's relevant to them at that time, right, when they're doing that particular task. And so it it, it is very um, transformative in the way that it can enable that knowledge to be unlocked by other people inside the organization. I love that. And have you found that so far there's certain industries or certain, I guess, industries that are adapting Snowshoe more than others? Like I think about it just through the lens of I spent majority of my career in kind of executive HR roles. And I think, gosh, like to be able to have an HR organization to go in and ask for what I'm looking for, you know, I might only let's, let's use something as simple as like benefits. I'm only touching benefits once a year. I'm not always thinking right. about it. And so yep. I forget after 11 months of not having touched a document. And so just having access to be able to search that and pull up all the knowledge base on that particular area, I can see being so valuable, even in kind of a human resources department. But I'm curious if you've seen industry specific adapt to it more so than others, or if it's really kind of broad spread spread across a uh, multiple organizations. I, I think it's quite broad in the, in the sense that you can apply it to so many different areas. So we initially started with a focus on um, maintenance and, and finding information on technical documents, things like that. And, and then we found that our users are actually like using this for a bunch of different use cases. So one of the things that they were using it for is responding to RFPs. So an RFP mm -hmm. is basically a series of questions. And so they could put those questions in and then find relevant information inside their own documentation that maybe they've responded to a similar RFP in the past, or maybe there's some technical specification that it can go and find. So it's not writing the whole RFP for you, but it's pulling all the information and all the pieces of, of data that's proprietary to your organization into, into a place that you can then take that and all piece it together and, and use it. Yeah. So yeah, every industry, I, I think, can use this. Um, the difference between generative AI and the AI that came before, it's, if, if you think about, so I've been, I've been in AI since 2017, and it was all about, give me your proprietary data, and then we're going to train a model, and then this model does some prediction that's relevant to your business, right? The, the problem with that is it's really, really difficult to get all that proprietary data. So let's say you want some kind of... Um, you're building a predictive model for something, you're predicting the, you know, you're predicting maintenance on our system or something. So you need a lot of very specific data to be able to train those types of models. With generative AI, it's just language. So it's, mm -hmm. you can ask information and then you can use documentation as your data source. And so you don't have to take all that raw data, if you will. You still need data, but it's in a different format. It's, you know, data inside documentation. And so you can just go and apply this to, almost any field really that has documentation that contains that information and and you're you're finding that information as opposed to then building a model and predicting something. So it's kind of a different flavor of AI, but yeah. um, a lot more ubiquitous and more universal, I think. Yeah, I love that. And let's let's pull on that a little bit. And I'm I'm curious to get your insights and observations of what was happening in 2017. You just talked about one thing here, but what was going on in 2017 when you started consulting in the space versus what's happening today? And what are some of the kind of core trends or unlocks that you're seeing really enable organizations, leaders to run businesses more effectively, leveraging tools, like leveraging different AI tools? 
Yeah. So back then, well, I mean, to, to, if you're doing those types of AI projects, it's, it's still the same, but the focus was on um, taking some kind of proprietary data set that you had typically, and then building a model. So it could be you're doing image recognition, you're doing natural language, you're, you're identifying certain types of, of text, or, or you're making a predictive model that's, you know, predicting a, a number. Like, for example, um, we did a project where it was an automated hedge fund, so it was doing asset allocation, so it was predicting what your asset balance should be at any given time in the market to optimize your returns. So that's an example of a predictive model. But there's a lot of things that need to line up. You need the data, you need the infrastructure, you need the people that can then take these systems and implement them. So you need all these different things. And there's a lot of, the barrier to entry is pretty high, I would say. It's it's, it's a difficult thing to, to implement. Whereas generative AI, it's incredibly complicated, um, but you can basically apply it to any sort of business. So small businesses can benefit from this as well. Whereas before, it's it's it was difficult for small businesses to really access the 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 type of AI that we were working with back then because there's so many requirements and the bar was pretty high. So mm -hmm. I, I would say this is more of a democratizing technology. Yeah, and I'm seeing so I mean, 2017. It was it was a conversation, but I feel like fewer and far between we're having the conversation about AI. And today, a big piece of why I wanted to run this series is every time I bring a founder on that runs an AI business, I'm getting a significant amount of feedback on the shows because people are genuinely interested in what is the new tech and what's happening and what are some of the trends going on. So I'm sensing that there's way more conversation happening kind of six years later than there was in 2017. And I'm curious, like, what are some of the conversation that people come to you and start asking you because you have such a knowledge of AI? What are people really curious about in AI from your perspective? Well, they want to know what it can do. And then you, you, you get a lot of this kind of Hollywood anthropomorphization. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, so you, you get sort of Hollywood pretending that's like the Terminator and things like that. And I, I don't right. think that's helpful. I mean, I mean, hypothetically, I guess that's possible, but um, really what's, what we're talking about is, is a, it's a model that it's, it's predicting a series of output words from a series of input words. So it's, it's pretty, you, you have, you have inputs and outputs and you're just kind of mapping the one to the other. Um, so it's, it's fairly um, benign. Really, it's not like able to think for itself or have its right. own agenda or anything like that. But um, people are interested in how they can use it in their business. Um, I think that's a, the, the most important thing for, for most people that I'm talking to is there's all these different ways you can apply it, but what's the right way to apply it for their particular business and what makes the most sense for, for their situation. So that's different for everybody, but I think that's what people are mostly interested in. Yeah, and do you, and do you see that, that... When we think about AI for each individual business that it needs to kind of be customized to their needs and where they're going and to, to kind of shape what, what they're creating. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes sense to, to customize that and to have a, an experience that really delivers the outcome that they're looking for. Um, so generative AI, it makes that easier to do. And so you can customize that in ways that um, you couldn't necessarily before. So it's, the implementation of it has, has become simpler to do that. Yeah. Obviously my, my background is, is people. And I spend a lot of time 
working with founders and CEOs around building effective people strategies and thinking about bringing in the right talent and then hiring good talent. And in this particular field, we've had a lot of conversations around, is AI coming to take my job? It's a question that, you know, a lot of companies or leaders are dealing with when it comes to developing their own talent. And I have a perspective around that, but I'm actually curious for you within your own organization or within the organizations you support, how has AI impacted jobs and or kind of mindset around employees when it comes to how to leverage AI for their jobs? Yeah, I, I think the way that you have to think about it is how can AI augment the employee? It's, AI is not going to replace the employee, but it will augment the employee. So the, comp the companies and the organizations that embrace AI, they're just going to be more competitive than the ones that don't. So they're, they're going to win. So I, I don't think it's, it's a black and white, I'm going to be replaced by AI, but the, the organizations that adopt it the fastest and are more proficient with, you know, leveraging that technology it's just another tool essentially so it's like you know typewriters are more effective than pens and pencils and this is just kind of that idea times times 10 so it's it's more of a tool that you can use to leverage inside your organization yeah i'm i'm in complete agreement like i see it enabling i see it as a tool yeah. to really enable great talent and if talent can use it effectively yeah of course org charts might look a little different in the future than they did five years ago, but that's constant with every five years in a business, things change, things evolve. The area of knowledge and where we need to kind of play skill sets moves with the times. And so I really see AI to your point as a tool where, you know, I I've worked with a lot of um, different marketing organizations as well, where, you know, you're just thinking about the AI resources out there in the marketing field in general when it comes to copywriting or video creation or production side of things and how it's really enabled a copywriter in the in the most basic way to have so much more output and be even more effective as a copywriter. And something that was taking five hours is now taking an hour to an hour and a half. And that time just allows more capacity and more efficiencies within an organization. So that's just one example, but it's something that, you know, I've definitely talked about a lot, which is how can we leverage tools within AI to enable us and make us better and more productive and efficient and more skilled and not fear it? Because I see a lot of fear in the market where people are hesitant to dive fully in and just try it and just test it and see what's possible. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I, I think it's probably given an advantage to the people that are more creative and, and more experimental. Um, it's more of a kind of a collaboration with the AI in a sense that you can just try things and, and see what comes out of it. And so it, it's it's a little bit less maybe about the you know, the the specific skill of whatever that task was before. And, and now it's more about, okay, how do you iterate? How do you experiment? How do you kind of create something and be creative with that process? Yeah, I love that. I love that thinking. What are some of the ways, I'm curious, within Snowshoe right now, what does your team look like? Like how many employees do you have on the team? So we're sort of being incubated, if you will, by LeMay.ai. So okay. um, there's there's 22 uh, employees in uh, the mothership, and then we're 
bringing over employees as as we need them to do the development on snowshoe so we're about four employees right now on uh on snowshoe um so four and then we kind of borrow more as we need them so we're yeah. we're um sort of incubating the company inside Lameda right now yeah yeah and what have you so in either one of those organizations how have you seen the change of leveraging AI within your own organization and how it's impacted your ability to deliver more effective, a more effective product essentially to your clients? Like how has AI enabled your organization? So we're a little bit unique in that we're probably 95% data scientists and people that are actually building AI systems. So it's, it's not a typical, um, breakdown of, of skill set, I would say. So for us, it's, you know, we're adapting the new technologies, we're using it, um, you know, looking at all the different models that are coming out and different ways of, of architecting these systems. So that's constantly changing. So there's, there's a lot of new capabilities that are available now that weren't even a few months ago. So keeping on top of that is really important. But in terms of actually using AI, um, one of the way, one of the areas we're using it is just let's say you're writing a report or you're responding to an RFP or something. So you can use AI to help write parts of that. And it's, you can sort of do the the first draft and then there's going to be things you want to tweak and you want to change and you're not going to rely on it. So you can't just like press a button and have a full report come out. But what you can do is you can use it to write little sections. Then you, it'll give you ideas or maybe you're, you'll change it, but, but you'll um, it'll speed up that entire process of, of writing an RFP. Yeah, we're writing any sort of writing, writing anything. Yeah. yeah, I've uh, I've definitely leveraged. You know, I'll use ChatGPT four as an example, but just leveraging it to to help me co-write SOPs, right, yeah. and create standard operating principles in 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 our business, and even things. You know, I'm I'm catching myself now in old thinking where I'll go and I'll just start doing the work or research on my own. And I'll catch myself. I've done it multiple times in the last month where I'm like, heck, there is a better way. Like catch yourself. Why not just ask this incredible tool that has this knowledge base of how I think, ask it what I'm working on as simple as like financial statements, operating procedures, interview guides, whatever it is that I'm working on within my business. And if nothing more, what I love about it, it's an incredible thought partner. Like it just gives yeah absolutely me so other it'll ideas. it'll give you all these ideas and like some of them are going to be good some of them are going to be bad and it, you have to go through that editing process but it's it's great for idea generation yeah absolutely I love it I love it for that and um, I'm working on behaviorally catching myself on just trying to do it my, all myself and realizing I have this powerful engine over here that can really help me go and perform some of the duties that you know even I mean as an as a founder entrepreneur saving yourself like if a task was going to take me an hour or something I was going to focus on was going to take me an hour. And now it's taking me 20 minutes to get 40 minutes of time back in your day as a founder is massive. It's massive. So yeah, I love, I love that use of AI. And um, do you have any principles or, or the tools that you use that are just, you know, how you actually train the mind to realize that we have these powerful engines and like to catch yourself into you know, maybe you've just been using it for so long, it's just second nature. But I'm curious if you catch yourself also going back to old ways of thinking and not realizing we have these powerful tools here. 
Yeah, I would say I'm I'm in the same boat as you are. I I use these tools a lot, but then sometimes I'm I'm just kind of starting the task on my own, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I should uh, I should leverage tools and try to do this more efficiently. Are there tools that um, you love using personally? Like, are there tools out there that you found to be really effective for you? In terms of um, writing content, I mean. ChatGTP is great. There's 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 some other tools out there as well. There's Perplexity. There's a few of them. Um, where where our tool is really focused is is when organizations don't want to use these external tools and they want everything to be inside. So, for example, government um, government of Canada, for example, they have a requirement for uh, sovereignty. So you can't necessarily let certain piece of of data or or um, documentation touch. Um, servers that are outside of Canada and a lot of other organizations are just not comfortable with exposing their data to third parties. Like for what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis, you're just writing an article or something. Sure, you use those use those tools. Um, it they, they work perfectly fine. But if you're doing something that requires um, you to expose internal data to these external these other services, that's where we're really focused in that you can use snowshoe to do that and it's all internal to your own organization you're not exposing any sensitive documentation you're not leaking anything potentially um, and so that's really where we're focusing on in the market yeah i love that and so uh, i can imagine like for the government of canada as an example things like leveraging the tools and making sure securities are are kind of clean within those organizations so that things don't leak is is got to be a core focus of what you're looking at too yeah absolutely yeah i love that I love that. Um, talk to me a little bit more around some of the predictions you have. Like when you think about AI in 12 months from now, in two years from now, and things are rapidly changing so quickly, what are some of the conversations you're having with other founders who are running AI, AI companies where you think, you know, these are some trends that, you know, we should keep an eye on or let's keep an eye on as a, as a marketplace? Yeah, predicting... Um... AI trends is always tricky. Everybody thought that AI was going to go for the, like the the truck drivers and the you know those types of, of jobs first, and actually it was the exact well. So it, it, there are all these generative tools are are aimed at like you said copywriters and graphic artists and people like that. So making predictions about where this is going to go is 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 always a bit tricky. But um, I, I think you're just going to see more and more cognitive functions being enabled by these tools so right now they do certain things really well and there's going to be more and more things that they're suddenly able to do so um, you can think of any task as a, as a series of cognitive functions and so um, i think ai is going to be able to do more and more of these things on its own and and the humans sort of going to be steering in which which direction to go but if you think of the, the scale you can you can search all documents in an organization. It would take a human like 100 years to do that. So there's right. certain things that AI is going to be able to do really, really well, but then it's not necessarily ever going to have the the judgment or the the context that a human would. So it's it's finding that balance between having a really, really powerful tool, but then still having a human in like a human collaboration. So you can you can work with that tool to sort of edit it or um, edit the output of the the process or, or provide guidance and, and judgment to that process. So as long as we can do that, I think we're going to do do well. Um, where it gets a little bit scary is 
uh, like fake news and, and things like that. That's obviously a pretty negative application for these types of technologies. So those things, they they definitely are a cause for concern. But Mm-hmm. um, I think overall, it's a positive force. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, in the right hands and helping it within the context of how we can use it, I think it just enables so many areas of our life. And it'll be interesting to see what does come down the pipeline in the future. And I'm curious for you, obviously, with Snowshoe, you're you're likely having lots of conversations with lots of different business owners and in lots of different industries. What's some of the pushback you're getting? What are some of the reservations people have to adapt something like snowshoe Um, we're not getting a lot of pushback. People are, are depending on the industry, some industries move a lot faster than others, but um, people are generally very positive. There's not, we're not getting a lot of reasons not to do it. It's sort of they're comparing options. They get to, sure it's a given that they're going to do it. It's just how they're going to do it and how they're going to implement it. So I, I wouldn't say anybody's really like, no, I'm not going to implement AI in my business. It's more about how they're going to do it and what what they choose to implement And that in itself is an evolution, right? Because yeah I would say probably in 2017, there were companies that were pushing back and saying like, let's just see where this goes and let's just, you know, hold tight and, you know, maybe be a bit more reserved than some other industries. And today I, I am seeing the same thing with a lot of clients I'm working with, which is this more acceptance. Like we are going to move forward in some capacity. It's about finding the right tool for us at the right time. And that's really the conversation which has has shifted, I think, a lot at least in my experience from what I've seen in the last, you know, five to six years. Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. It's more of a focus on implementation, whereas back in 2017, it was more high level strategic, like tell me all the things that AI could maybe do, and then we'll think about it in the next couple of years, we might get to implementing it. Whereas it was now the conversations are much more like, what can we do right now to implement something? Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, even though there are still leg industries, there's still some faster ones that are really adapting and trying and trying things on. And, you know, a little bit of that, you know, taking, taking a bit of, you know, dirty action and just saying like, all right, let's see where this takes me to. And we're going to learn through it and we're going to evolve and iterate as we go. So yeah, I'm seeing something really similar that way with um, even in the field of HR and hiring, right. I'm really seeing a lot of different tools come online and, you know, people getting curious about it and how it can support us and in being able to serve in a better way, right? Which is ultimately what Snowshoe stands for as well. It's how are you helping your clients serve their internal teams in a more effective way so that they can get more done faster from a productivity standpoint, efficiency standpoint, because you're right, there's just, you know, I think about 15 years ago, having to go through file folders to find a handbook to get some information about something. Whereas today you have this, you know, internal portal that you can literally just ask it a question and all the information is right at your fingertips. That is such a pro productivity hack. It's incredible to think about the time that is being saved a decade later. Yeah, even from a training perspective, everything can be customized. You can just have a conversation with it and it can guide you through that material as opposed to having to go and read the whole book or read whatever the, the documentation would be from start to Yeah, finish. absolutely. So if somebody's listening right now and they're running an organization and they're curious to know more about Snowshoe, one, how do they get access to you? And what's the best way to just get some more information about if Snowshoe is the right fit for their company? Yeah, so they can go to our website and um, and just uh, 
shoot us a message through there and we're happy to jump on a call and, and have that conversation and, and uh, see if there's a fit and go from there. Yeah. Amazing. And to, you know, I'm curious to get to the leader that's maybe a bit skeptical about AI or is, has a little bit of fear that still shows up and they're curious, but they don't really know where to kind of dip their toe in, you know, from somebody who's been working in the space for six, seven years to them, what's, what's your advice? What's your piece of feedback to them or advice that can get them started? Yeah. Just start educating yourself about some of these technologies and there's, there's organizations that can help guide you through that. Um, so on the LeMay side, we do a lot of um, strategy consulting and, and gap analysis and just helping organizations understand where they can apply, apply AI. Um, the, AI is such a broad term that there's so many different things that are called AI. And so it's really understanding which tools can apply to your organization. So if, if you're trying to do a specific thing that you're not going to care about other other capabilities, it's, it's about what moves the needle for your organization. So I, yeah, I would recommend talking to someone who has expertise in these types of fields and in these, with these technologies, and they can help guide you through that process because it's a little bit like trying to be your own doctor and understanding everything there's to know about medicine and then decide what to do. Like, well, yeah, you're, you're kind of over your head there. So it, it if you can find somebody who has knowledge and Hopefully they can guide you through that process. That that would be my recommendation. That's such a good good reference, right? How many times have we tried to be our own doctor on Google, yeah. and it never <laughs> ends well? You know, right? What I everything end up, is cancer, no matter what. What I end up thinking I have, what type of cancer I have today, versus just going to my doctor and realizing you just need, you know, a multivitamin is very different uh, in terms of you know how we try to do that for ourselves. So I love that reference. It's such a so relevant to AI and. It's just such a constant, ever-changing industry, in my opinion. And, you know, to bring in some expertise or somebody who has some foundations and strong foundations and can help you within your organization customize what you need right now and then grow from there is uh, is such great advice. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for bringing your wisdom and sharing a little bit about your story and about Snowshoe. Again, if you want more information about snowshoe i'm going to link everything in the show notes so you can get access to either ryan or on his social platforms or you can go right to the website and learn some more information about it ryan thank you for your time i'm so grateful for you to be on this series and just share some of your wisdom about what's going on in the world of ai today yeah well thanks a lot jackie i really enjoyed the conversation and uh, this has been great amazing all right guys we'll see you again on the jackie service show Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.